no chance. What's up, everybody? Episode 81 of the No Chance Radio Show. As always, your hosts, Ryan and Nate. We would appreciate you guys for listening to us on this fine Friday morning. Uh, that's when we typically upload this shit. Uh, we just want to say thank you guys, man. It's been a long, it's been a long run. Not to say that it's over, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> 81 episodes equates to 81 weeks. And hence the, the last episode, we've kind of talked about our favorite episodes and just our journey to this point. And if you've been with us since day one, we appreciate you. If it's your first time listening, welcome. You're a little late. But we appreciate you listening as You're 81 well. 81 weeks late. 81 weeks late, right? Like imagine like, you know, when um, when you you mentioned like a, a new like rapper or something that you've been listening to and somebody's yeah. like, man, I've been on that. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Don't feel like that, guys. If you're if you're late to the podcast, we just appreciate anybody listening to the two <laughs> two random ass dudes speak about streetwear shit. So on that note. We do have an announcement to make in regards to an event coming up. We have our on-air open platform uh, performance event coming next Friday. What What's that the 12th, date? The 12th. The 12th yes. April 12th, Bar Flux is in San Francisco. I know a lot of you have been asking, yo, how do I make it out to an event? I live in Ohio. I live in the UK. Like, I want to come out and see you guys. Well... If we get our shit together for this one, this will be live streamed for your guys' this viewing pleasures. And in that way, you guys can enjoy in all the fun and fucking how we get down and you guys can view it. So uh, stay tuned for uh, more updates on how that live stream is going to work and follow us on Instagram at No Chance Radio to, to uh, be able to watch that. So for today's topic, we want to cover... A couple different things, but as always, in the beginning of every episode, we like to shoot the shit on some random on random topics that we don't like to invest too much time and effort into uh, because they're pretty um, pretty straightforward. But it's it's good to talk about things that are very relevant and things that are happening as they essentially as they are happening. So let's get into the, and shoot the shit on some topics and get into this first one. Patagonia announces that they will not be making merch for companies that do not support what is it um sustainability uh i guess it's just caring about the world <laughs> yeah. uh they're like super big on they actually just changed their brands uh what do you slogan mantra motto, Ma- mantra, I said mantra. mantra. <laughs> their brand's mantra <laughs> america uh, <laughs> patagonia <laughs> um what what is we do business something something who to better Patagonia? the planet yeah they okay. just changed it yeah as long like as that. it includes the planet aspect yeah. I think that's important yeah I think that what we've seen a lot lately and why there's been such a huge resurgence in Patagonia and I think any sort of like outdoor specialty wear like the North Face Columbia things of that nature is because obviously we be, we become more sustainable and more uh conscious of uh of the earth's resources and just how we are as people i mean whether you're vegan vegetarian or fucking picking up some new keto diet people are just a little (laughs) bit more cognizant on how they take care of themselves and how they contribute to the earth's um 
aura vibes. Environmental vibes. I think those are good default words. Yeah. <laughs> when you run out of shit to say, you're just like, yeah, you know, you know the vibe. Yeah, yeah the vibes, yeah, you, you know. know. You know it's just about. like a pronoun for everything now. Um, but yeah, like we become more conscious of how we are as consumers, as we are as human beings. And Patagonia relies on that know fairly heavily in regards to what their mission is so what we've noticed in terms of that resurgence at least in san francisco is that most people that wear patagonia are within like the tech space yes um tech or finance tech or finance it's like a uniform nowadays to see like a uh like a regular button up with like a patagonia vest on top of it um and that's typically where we see that crowd um or see the crowd that that wears that stuff but i think in regards to what patagonia is saying in 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 terms of where we no longer support the companies that don't support our mission really falls in line with like who they are and i think it it makes sense to say that yeah and when you're dealing in dealing with some of these finance and tech companies, sometimes their first, uh, their, their, their main focus isn't the environment. You know what I mean? Have you ever been to like a tech company, like their actual office? I've been in a couple. Dude, mad wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like literally, like I feel like there's this like, um, not authority, but I feel like there's this. I'm just gonna say it. there's these vibes that I get <laughs> in tech startup companies where it's like all they care about is themselves like individual people. It's literally all about myself or all about like the clout of being at this company. And like, I don't like, okay, I'm gonna give an example. I was in like this, um, this salad. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. I'm not going to use it, the specific name. Cause I know like half of the country doesn't know what this company is, but it kind of like you're, you're, you're like salad version of like Chick-fil-A. So like it's a quick salad. It's like well put together. It's very like tech startupy, <laughs> But this dude, like, is, this dude comes in behind me, literally just like, you know how they have the, um, like, the movie movie theater banisters that, like, stretch? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, So, there's this whole intricate maze before you get to the front of the line, but there was maybe only four people in line. So, instead of going through the whole maze, he's just lifting up every single uh, piece of the banister and yeah. just walks and just literally cuts through the maze. And I'm just like, all right, well, that's kind of fucked up because now they have to put it back. And he's just like, now he's just in line, right? Yeah. And just like totally disregarding like anything and everything around him. He's just kind of like being, I don't know, like it was just obnox- obnoxious. Yeah. And, you know, me going up to, and taking my order, I'm always like, I'm always like super generous with like anybody that works at like any sort of uh, like, like hospitality yeah. or service yeah, yeah. industry. I'm always just like, yo, thank you. Like, I appreciate it. Like. I thank you after every sentence, whatever. And this dude just like looking at his phone and has like two AirPods in and he's just like, like not even looking at the person that that, uh, is making his food and just like delegating his order. Yeah. Right. But what makes it more complicated is like, he's like making a custom order. Like when you like add every element of your salad and he's just like, yeah, you know, like artichokes and uh, croutons, like not even fucking giving this dude attention. And those are the types of people that I'm talking about in regards to like the tech industry. You know who you are. Super disrespectful. Um, obviously, it's not everybody, but yeah, those are the dudes that, that yeah. like rock the Patagonia. It's, it's almost a meme. I'm pretty sure it, it is. is a meme, At dude. this point, it yeah. is. Like, it, it's it's a fucking character. Yeah. Whenever, like, whenever people talk about... Because I, I work at a retail store, so I talk to people 
and who are like from New York or LA and ask them, what, yo, what's like the, what's just sort of like the sense you get of San Francisco and how it is fashion wise. And I'm like, well, all I see is dudes and like <laughs> button ups and really cheap dress shoes with like Patagonia. It's vests. changed a lot. And I'm like, yeah, it's that's changed a for lot. sure. And I want to, I want to, I want to break this down real quick because you know, and and I and we'll get into this later on the episode, but I have to say it now. Like I had the ch- uh, the chance to um, witness a live speaking engagement by Bobby Hundreds, and this is just a real quick snippet of what he was talking about. But you know how he had the store out here in San Francisco. Yeah. One of the first questions was like, you know, why'd you why'd you leave San Francisco? And he said, Well, when I first got here, I could go outside of my store and watch people bombing the hills of San Francisco on skateboards. And by the time we left, it was tech dudes on electric boards going up it. And that's when he knew, like, it's my time to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, sort of bringing it right back to Patagonia's mission and and really caring about the environment. Some of these tech startup companies, it's, it's not on their agenda to give back to organizations or be sustainable in how they act in their business dealings. So... You know, if you're if you're Patagonia and and this is a group that literally brought you back to popularity, like how do you how do you deal with that business wise when it's like you don't fuck with them, but they're like they're the ones contributing to your success, you know? You know, it's funny. I read an article about uh, about this on Hypebeast, I think, and it said that at the very bottom, they said Patagonia stated that uh, the existing companies that we already have, like under our partnership list, we're not going to cancel our partnerships with you. It's just like <laughs> anybody else new is trying to come on. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. What? Yeah. So basically, the people that are they already partner with, yeah, they're going to continue to do business with them. Okay. But any newer company that tries to partner with them that doesn't fall in line with their, you know, Morals, ecological whatever. mission, yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they won't they refuse to partner with them. So and it's it's almost like um, like if you got in before we started like feel certain way. Then, like okay, fine, good. yeah, <laughs> they're cool. Well, okay, then that kind of like ruins the whole point. But I guess I can see like why they're being a bit more proactive now. Yeah. Um, I guess this this breaks down to any sort of partnership you make with a brand. Like you have to. It's it can't always be strictly about the money. Like yeah. it, it it is a reflection on yourself. Um, as a brand in terms of who you partner with, you're not just going to partner with any old person. Like that, you do your research and you find out that this brand like donates to this crazy organization, then it gets a bad look on you to affiliate yourself with them. And I think it, it, it's cool to see that on, on Patagonia's part to really think about who they're working with, especially if their mission is to like, you better know, like the you said, better the <laughs> earth, right? Yeah. I'm not going to partner with some tech company that literally, Ha, like has an app where you just figure out places to dump your shit, you know, yeah. like some crazy thing like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to Patagonia. Uh, I love their like really like chinchilla y like fleecy Yo, ass send us some fleeces. That shit's hella cool. Yeah. You'll never catch me in like a Patagonia vest, no. but other than that, like some of their older stuff is tight. Um, next topic in speaking on this sustainability piece is that New York is soon going to be banning single use plastic bags. Now, it's been a thing for us in California and at least in San Francisco to where plastic bags are, you know, far and few in between. And you see a lot of people carrying tote bags and just kind of like these reusable, um, you know, you can buy bags from a lot of stores. Now they have their own self branded bags for the purpose of 
you're going to come back to our store. So you might as well just bring this bag back. Yeah. Um, and even like charging you for a bag nowadays. So like this concept's not new at all for, for us, but, um, for, for New York, it's, it's now becoming a thing. And one of the things that was highlighted the most prominently with, (laughs) within this like new rule is, kids carrying supreme plastic bags like obviously that falls in line with like the single use plastic bag but i remember when i was first coming up and like buying supreme shit the bag was so important dude like it was so important i remember people used to carry around the bag like not even have any supreme shit in it like they would just carry it just every day no like it was like a tote or something bro we were the most we were the biggest perpetrators of this shit last time we went to uh new york when we went to this we literally went to the stone island store Knew we couldn't afford shit. Okay, first of all, they were sold out of everything. Knew we couldn't afford <laughs> shit. So we found the least costly thing and literally we could have just held it in our hand. It was yeah. just a magazine, a sneeze magazine. But instead we decided to ask for a bag to look like we had bought something from the store. Probably one of our lowest moments. It was a wild weekend in Very itself. Wild weekend. But yeah. um but yeah, like just based off sort of where, you know, New York is going, I mean, obviously being environmentally friendly is, is cool, fine by me. But to make this to make this whole regulation revolve around this idea that these supreme bags are the most like clout heavy, most important thing about the brand. Do you think that it, that the bags are, are somewhat impactful with like where that brand lives? Uh, I think so. I think it's just. You'd be surprised. People freak the fuck out about bags. I know. Both being charged for a bag and just like the bags that they have. Exactly. Like when I'm at work and people are like, wow, this is such a nice bag. And I'm like, it's just a paper bag. <laughs> yeah, like, right? It's, it's just, but, oh, the bags are pink, right? Yeah, they're pink. The big pink bags, but they're like, the construction's really, like really good. Yeah, they're actually, I figured out uh, how much they cost to make. They're like $6 to make each bag. A bag? Yes, a paper bag is Holy $6 shit. to make. Which I guess in that sense, it's, it has some sort of value behind it because it's a well-constructed bag, has a brand name on it, whatever. Jeez. But it's a paper bag at the end of the day. I throw them out like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck oh, it. you got to like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think it makes sense. I think um, we always talk about how like just like the full package is important. Yeah, you know, they, for sure. The journey of a consumer is like, I'm going to come into this, especially with a high fashion store, even like a store that's highly regarded and making lots of money and knowing that Supreme like is the top tier streetwear like destination i'm gonna go in here if i'm gonna spend close to like three four hundred dollars i expect my shit to like be in something that's kind of cool or like something that i can kind of keep around something that's gonna say i spent three exactly and that's the biggest piece about it and and you bring a, a, a good point up in like it like the bag with a lot of streetwear stores, and so, I mean, we experienced that going into Stone Island. It reaffirms the purchase as yeah. well as is like a, uh, like a, a an advertisable receipt yeah. <laughs> that you were exactly. at that store. Exactly. Um, even if it's like maybe you didn't even come from that, and I don't know anybody that uses Supreme bags as like your their daily bag, but it also shows like you know I know a a little thing or two about you know this brand. Yeah. Um. I remember I would see on Hypebeast forums of like people that would take the bag and put it on their wall, like tack it to their wall as like a, <laughs> like a art piece or some shit. Yeah. Um, I've seen people take those bags and create like fucking outfits from them and like sew them together and make like a shirt, <laughs> like wild shit. Um, do I care that the bags no longer exist? To be honest, I don't like I 
it's not like we go to those stores physically anyway. Exactly. Um, that'd be so funny if like the Supreme store here in San Francisco, like it's not, they don't give you a bag. It's just like, you got to bring your own bag because yeah. it's San Francisco. It's like, like, oh, do you want a bag? Okay. That'll be 10 cents. It's like, fuck. yeah, like, uh, I'll, I'll carry it out. Like yeah. I, I drove here. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Moving on from that, a uh, quick one and actually a really, uh, surprising one. Um, Adidas just announced their official partnership with Beyonce. Um, I think recently, I mean, they, they've been bringing on so many celebrities fairly recently and we all know like they're, they're big proponents of working with Pharrell. Um, they just had highlighted a shoe that they're doing with Childish Gambino. They do a lot of stuff with influencers, which is, I think, I feel like is their bread and butter. Yeah. Because they don't really have much else going on for them. So that's the truth. That's (laughs) the truth. Um, it's almost like hiring like an outside consultant, like consultant to like make a creative, like product or project but instead they're it's kind of like doubling the efforts by bringing on like a celebrity it's like all right you give us the clout well also like you guys can create your own shit and if people fuck with it then they fuck with it if not then like that's on you guys not really on us exactly um but so i I believe previously beyonce had like um like a clothing line called ivy park obviously she's like one of the damn near our generations like Michael Jackson in terms of like her aura and stature and just fucking like mysterious world around her. Yeah. Um, and she was like literally like one of the first people to like adopt drop culture and put it into music. You know what I mean? Like just dropping an album just off the rip and not telling anybody about it. So maybe she has some like streetwear sensibilities to how she moves in the music industry. It's kind of funny. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what she does with Adidas. Honestly, I don't know. I'm just not a very big Adidas person. Same. Uh, I think a lot of their collabs are somewhat lackluster. Like even the Pharrell stuff sometimes I'm just like, all right, that's cool. But yeah, it hits once. Yeah. And and that's it. It's just like a single note. Yeah. To put it into music perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Very on on brand. brand. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to do. Okay. So you know how obviously you look at a Rihanna and Puma change yeah. the game in terms of r- where Puma's stood. fucking revive, Puma. like revive yeah. them. Yeah. I don't think that people revere Beyonce in the same way when it comes to what do I wear or, um, you know, how should I look? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, no shout out to Beyonce though. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely no hate on Beyonce. Can't do that. No, <laughs> definitely not. That's not in my repertoire. Get a call from Rockefeller right now, <laughs> like, like yo, hey, y'all gotta chill. Cease and desist. <laughs> Cease and desist. <laughs> no, but to be honest, I, I just think she's past that point. You know, yeah. she's not really like. It's hard for her to have an impactful collaboration when she's, I think, so far removed from the spotlight these days because she hasn't released that much new music. Yeah. Like she's just not very out there. Yeah, yeah. Not that that's a bad thing, but um, I think like it just, I don't know, like the collaboration I feel like has less impact because she's not in, in the scene as much yeah. anymore, you know what I'm saying? And she was never known to be like, like us, like known to be like, that's the Beyonce style yeah. or like, so, so, so help me figure this out because how does the Rihanna and Puma do so well and with the, obviously the Adidas and, and, and uh, Beyonce thing hasn't like fully been elaborated but why is there already like a indication that it's not gonna do well versus like rihanna and puma doing like outstanding uh i mean like you said it's hard to say this is all just speculation but i think with 
what I can say is why I think Rihanna and Puma did really well is because, again, like I think they did a good job of promoting authenticity and mm. storytelling. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Rihanna has this very, she's very well known as a celebrity who literally gives no shits about anything. Yeah. Like she will say whatever is on her mind, does not care. Yeah. Is very like upfront, very direct. And I think that sort of persona, that sort of personality, it kind of translated into the collection. Yeah. And I don't know, there's just some sort of like, you kind of got that sense that if I buy this, like I'm sort of like that. Yeah. I'm personifying this, you know, this fucking, like I said, this sort of don't give a fuck yeah, attitude. attitude. Exactly. Yeah. Like if I buy this, like that's, that's me. That's who I am. That's like, a good that's point. I think, I think it is the idea that you're buying it, buying the image. You're yeah. buying, buying the vibes, essentially, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. what vibes or what image is Beyonce portraying yeah. within this collection? Like I don't, if I don't, if I'm a young teenage girl, like I don't, I can't affiliate with like having a child or like yeah. what it's like to be a mom because that's, I'm not that at that point in my life, you know? You know what it is? I think that Rihanna and Beyonce are on opposite spectrums of like mm. personality. I think Rihanna is very much, like I said, very upfront yeah. and she's not afraid to speak her mind. And to be fair, Beyonce isn't either. Yeah. But like you said earlier, she's much more mysterious. She's just kind of like plays the background, kind of just. Yeah you know, watches everything, doesn't really speak out too, too much. Yeah. Um, like, she's very calculated, I feel like. Mm. If, I think that's the best way to put it. She's very calculated, whereas Rihanna is more, not and not to say this in a bad way, but she's more reactionary. Yeah, they're kind of held at different regards. Of yeah. Like, we, we already expect Rihanna to say some wild shit or, like, you know, do some wild action or whatever yeah. but if beyonce who's basically treated like a michelle obama status yeah like if she says anything outrageous it's like oh shit like did she really just do that yeah and then it's not because depending on you know who the audience is for these collections it's like you know a lot of you know a lot of what teens go through is like angst like we want to be rebellious yeah. we want we want to wear clothing that says like you know it may not like literally say fuck you on it but we want it to feel like what we wear is a definition of who we are as teens like rihanna's fucking uh apparel underwear shit yeah that shit's called like savage yeah <laughs> like, like, like it yeah it's literally like a, an, a the epitome of like a bad bitch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what i want to wear like fuck yeah. everybody yeah um but yeah i think <clears throat> i think you bring up a good point in regards to like how the two are just like on the basis of you know, how we hold them in, uh, not even just in music, but just yeah. as like uh, celebrities in that space, and which is really important when you're doing collaborations because essentially a collaboration is bringing what this person has to offer to this world of, of product, depending on, you know, celebrity and, and brand. Yeah. It's, we want you to create a product that exemplifies who you are. Yeah. And if that is making sure all girls think they're queens or whatever motivational piece that I feel like they're going to take in terms of the angle, then cool. Like that, that's fine. But we'll see how this sort of pans out in the future because for some reason this was, this, this was a really big announcement. Yeah. Um, I think because of where she is on the totem pole of like a list celebrities, which makes a lot of sense, but we'll see how it goes. Cause remember like you can be a, you know, a big ass celebrity, but not every collaboration works out. Yeah, exactly. The way 100%. We, we expect it to just off of the clout, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But I want to get into the larger topic for today's episode. I know we talked about a couple of, you know, run-of-the-mill topics. You know, streetwear news kind of comes and goes. But I want to talk about something that's sort of permanent in regards to an OG in the streetwear game. And someone I had the pleasure of, I don't think we met formally. I'd say we (laughs) kind of met informally. But I had the opportunity to see Bobby Hundreds do a a speaking engagement here in uh, Berkeley, which is fairly close to uh, to where I live and from what I thought was going to be like your t- traditional brand 101 of like, this is the hundreds, this is this is sort of um, who we are. He kind of took his speaking engagement from the approach of, you guys know who the fuck I am already. Like, I didn't come here to tell you guys about myself. I came here to provide a perspective on based around whatever you guys want to ask. Yeah. So it was more of like a question and answer, which... You know, I fuck with that because that's kind of like the space that we live in is like we love just digging deeper into, you know, why certain things are the way that they are. And especially hearing it from someone like him who's like revered in the industry that we love. It's like, you know, please tell us like your answer on how you feel about every question that we have. (laughs) Right. Um, But the reason why I bring him up, not the fact that I you know, had the opportunity to ask him a question. But the, the larger piece is something that he explained that I don't think we've ever really touched on in this podcast, which is the idea of ethnicity and identity within, you know, what we wear or within the streetwear industry. And so to pro- provide a little context and how he broke, breaks this down is one of the major things that he started to learn recently is that he started to identify himself as being Korean. Like now Bobby Kim is Korean, obviously, but to identify with being Korean within the past three years and already almost being 40 years old, something has to come of that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there isn't just a switch that goes on and says like, oh shit, like I kind of fuck with my race or I fuck with who I am. Not a lot of people get to that point. Uh, it's better late than never, but it's a really cool way of, 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 of looking at streetwear in the sense that, you know, he describes the streetwear industry as being something that was, you know, typically male dominated, white male dominated. You had the Stussies, you had the LRGs, the triple fives, whatever. Mark Echo's white shit, I think. <laughs> but that was what the industry consisted of. So when you're, when you want to be a creative and you want to get into an industry that you admire and, but you don't see people that look like yourself, I think this goes for the tech industry or any sort of business. It's hard to aspire to be that if you, you can't no, actually visually pick exactly yourself, right. There's like no prime example yeah, of that. Yeah. And this is something that I wanted to bring up in this episode is this idea of ethnicity and identity within streetwear now, because I mean, there's so many brands that resemble people like us, at least yeah. in terms of, are we minorities? Uh, I would say so still. Yeah, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think Asian is a minority, at least within North America yeah. <laughs> or like the, the Western side of the hemisphere, right? Western hemisphere. Yeah. Is that what we're in? I, I don't know. I'm just. What's our latitude and longitude? Uh, I have no sure. idea. I don't, I don't uh, know anything about that either. <laughs> but yeah, I would say like we're, we're still in that position where, I mean, you tell me some of our favorite brands happen to be like Japanese <laughs> yeah which is why I mean I can't I don't look Japanese you look Japanese so you, I you do get definitely that. I identify get with that. those brands but yeah. you know as you're growing up in streetwear and yep. sort of like you know learning about new brands 
do you did you ever think twice about like oh like that dude kind of looks like me or that dude has the same sort of like um like hobbies or aspirations as me like i kind of like am leaning towards like that person now or that brand have you ever like thought about that Uh, growing up i think growing up definitely it's you're not when you're when you're younger you're not very conscious of it yeah but i think that thought that question is still in your mind and it always happens or it always used to happen to me when i would see somebody and i would be like well they don't really look like me i don't know if i could pull that off Mm. you know what i'm saying like that i don't know if you could chalk it up to insecurity but that's sort of like it's a it's under representation. Yeah, you will. it's yeah. a um. I'd say it's it's kind of confusing. Yeah, like yeah, it may not be to the extent of like okay, we see brand owners that look like us, but being in high school, being in middle school, it's do our like are there any people just in my school that are wearing the things yeah. that I I, I kind of want to wear, but I don't see anybody that looks like me wearing it. Yeah, the early two thousands was a super were like a super confusing time. Yeah, for streetwear. You had Asian dudes wearing fucking wave caps. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, wave check, wave yeah. check. <laughs> like, 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 gin was the yeah. biggest inspiration. But, like, even, I mean, that's a prime example of yeah. just, like, seeing somebody that looks like you doing something that you didn't think that you were allowed to do. Yeah. Uh, stepping outside of, uh, it always takes that more, like, cutting edge person to be like, I'm going to do this because I feel like it comes naturally. Yeah. Um, and that's not permission to culturally appropriate. No, no, no. But, but I think, and this was another piece that was brought up is where do you, I'm not, we're not getting into this cause we always get into yeah. this. Like, <laughs> where does the line draw between inspiration and cultural appropriation? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I guess just within like sort of bringing it back, back into streetwear is that there weren't too many brands while, when we were growing up that were like Asian. I mean, we're Filipino. So, I didn't see any Filipino like brands at the time. I mean, yeah. there or, were or even people or even Filipino people associated with like, yeah. streetwear brands. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's very few and far between. The only one that I knew of, and I think it, this even came down to skateboarders. It was just yeah. like Willie Santos. Like yeah. that was it. Like <laughs> he was the only like Filipino. Is he like, even full Filipino? I believe he is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like full Filipino, like skateboarder. First dude I ever saw anybody like him put like a Filipino flag on a skateboard. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I know that there's a dude that looks like me in this industry. And I know like for my older brother who taught me how to skateboard, he was like, he's like, yeah, that's like one of my favorite skateboarders. Like he's like, what makes me want to skate harder? Because I know that Filipinos can like do Filipino. <laughs> okay. If you're Filipino, you fucking know, like Filipino people are super about like inclusivity because yes. every fucking time, there's like a you, every time there's like someone who's remotely famous who's like one eighth Filipino, your parents are like, "Yo, they're Filipino." He's a hundred percent. He's a hundred percent. Like, no doubt about yo, it. He's Filipino. I'm no, like, yo, yeah. he's like one eighth. Like, doesn't really count that much. No, dead ass. <laughs> like, you have that little piece of the Filipino buddy. Like, you're yeah. you're on our team. Yeah. <laughs> like, parents be repping them super hard. Yeah. Like, yo, he's. He doesn't. He doesn't even know he's Filipino. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even know. Yeah. Like, no, you are Filipino. Yeah. Like, you're taking that tag. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, that is like, that's the baseline of, of something that we expected back in the day. Is like, even if you were just a little bit of of my ethnicity, yeah, I can identify with exactly. you. Exactly. So even like getting into streetwear, building up until the point of like, damn, like, maybe like past the. 
a little bit past the golden era of streetwear. It wasn't until like you started to see that trickling down effect of like people of your ethnicity being inspired by the likes of like the the Keith Huffnagel, the Benny Gold, the Nick Terche, like people of your ethnicity were starting to be like, yo, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Obviously at the time we're too young or maybe that's just an excuse, but to, to have that business, business acumen to start a brand. But you know, when we did graduate high school, we did see the brands like, um, like adapt and, there's another one Fucking like f- uh, f- like fully laced, fully laced, yeah, like that, like brands yeah. like that, where based out of where we li- or where we're from in the in the Bay Area, with people that look like us and making clothes that were essentially kind of for us, yeah, in a way in terms of designs and like inspiration, but for some reason, I didn't fuck with it. <laughs> you know, uh, I I was gonna say. I was going to agree with you. Like I didn't, even though I felt the representation, I feel like to me, it could have been so much better. Like I identified with the people behind the brand, but I just couldn't draw the, I just didn't draw the connection between the actual product they were putting out and the actual image they were selling. And maybe that's just us being critical aesthetic, aesthetically Aesthetically, in terms of like, okay, we've been so used to, the designs of our favorite brands that like maybe this company, even though it's for us by us, it doesn't exemplify like what we're into. Yeah. Like we respect it, but we could also say it's trash at the end of the day. Yeah. I think there's a difference between respecting something and identifying with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think you can do both. Of course. It depends. Like you can respect the brand like the repre- like them representing you as a person, whether it's like ethnically, whatever. Yeah. And then identify with that too, but then still be sort of detached from like the image, the product that they're pushing. Yeah. So I think, and I'll be super transparent about this, but I never liked being Filipino. Like I just recently started to like not accept my ethnicity, but kind of get more comfortable with it. Yeah. Being a, like a not second, what is that second world? What is second it? generation? Not yeah, being a second generation Filipino, where my parents were born in America. Essentially, that's yeah. what that means, right? Yeah, exactly. We did. I didn't grow up in a traditionally Asian household. It was fucking felt like a white household, like <laughs> pork chops and sloppy joes every day. <laughs> you know what I mean, wait, is that true? <laughs> yeah, like damn near. That's like it's literally all. We kind of ate it was pot roast and sloppy joes. Dude, I fuck with pot roast and it, but, heavy. But it was never like it was never like Filipino smells or yeah, like culinary, not culinary cuisine. Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was ever being served in my household, so it was hard to really assimilate with that culture. Yeah, going to to a school that was like predominantly uh, like black and like Chinese didn't help that either. Yeah. You know. And I, I just always hated it for some reason. Like yeah. I, ne- like it's, it's not that I hated my people, but maybe there are people that were Filipino that I just disliked, yeah. which left a bad taste in my mouth in regards to like, um, like when people ask me, I was just like, oh, I'm not Filipino. Yeah. Which looking back on it now is like so stupid, <laughs> you know, and so fucked up. Yeah. But. I didn't know or have any representation, whether it was in my biggest, like the biggest, like, um, 
thing I was interested in, which was streetwear or even skateboarding. Like if I don't see any Filipino people there, I want to, I'd rather aspire to be whatever Eric Costin is. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought it was Filipino for what the longest. What is he? He's, he's uh, mo- like he's Indonesian. like Indonesian, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah, I yeah. was like, okay, like whatever he is, like I, I want to be like him. And it was never anything about ethnicity. It was just like, I want to be like him. He looks like me. And that was like the closest. Yeah. Um, but I think we all go through those sort of, those identity crisis. Yeah, for when sure. We're young Espe- yeah. And trying to figure ourselves out. Um, and even now myself, I'm still trying to figure out like, okay, like I'm slowly being introduced to like more and more Filipino things, obviously, and having a Filipino girlfriend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it helps, you know, but it, it does take time for anybody going through like any sort of identity. I wouldn't even call it a crisis, but sort, sort of just learning yourself. Yeah. Um, 100%. In especially with like the young kids that are trying to figure out like you know what do I want to do or who do I want to be yeah that's kind of like what you got to go through you know what I mean it's kind of synonymous for everyone that is growing up but when you think about it from a from a streetwear perspective nowadays it's it's so it's so much easier yeah to get into this game whether it's as a consumer or a um a creator, a brand owner, because there's so many people doing it that every you could you could uh, affiliate yourself with anybody that looks like you. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's great. It's like you said, it's so much easier to find somebody that you can identify with just through. I mean, the power of like we always fucking talk about. Yeah, we get it. The internet, okay, yeah. but like you know, social media. Like you see people out there that are like, oh fuck, like that person's literally just like me. That's yeah. tight. Like I have someone. There's someone out there that likes the same shit. I'm not weird. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I think that's the whole thing. Like, going back to, like, elementary school days, like, when you're, when my parents would pack me food for lunch and it'd be, like, Filipino food, no one else is eating Filipino food. I'd be like, yo, this is fucking weird. This dude like, got a fork and a spoon? Yeah, like, yo, shit. that's wild. Like, I'm over here, like, other dudes eating fucking corn with a spork <laughs> and an Uncrustable, and I'm over here with fucking adobo and rice. I'm not gonna lie, your meal fuck? sounds way better. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck? Like, dude, am I weird? Yeah. You know, I think it's just, I don't know. I think, at least for us too, we grew up in that era where we were so far, not far removed from everybody else, but I think there was just, there wasn't as much exposure to other like-minded people like we have today. I think that's, uh, you make a really good point because yeah, obviously with, with the, the capabilities of social media, being a 13, 14 year old kid who's discovering brands and, and, and looking at complex lists and hype beast articles, they see a, a Bobby Kim that looks fucking Chinese, but it's Korean, but can <laughs> look also look Japanese, you know, like, that's something that they can be like, holy shit, he looks like me and he runs this amazing brand and he's a photographer and then he he hangs out with gangsters, but also hangs out with like nerds and like, dude, that's that's the life that I want. You know, like that's not something that existed before. And and he and Bobby in, 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 in his talk brought that up as a really good example. It's like seeing somebody that looks like yourself in this industry that can take somebody over the top for sure. Yeah. It, like just that alone, like I may have an interest in becoming president. If I'm, if I'm an African-American fought like six years ago or no, yeah. 10 years ago, if I'm African-American Jeez. being like, dude, like I want to be president. Like everyone would be like, 
no, it's never going to happen. Yeah. It's not possible. Yeah. But then like now, like every kid wants to be a president. I remember yeah. there's this little kid, um, this little African-American kid around the time that Obama was coming out and he would, he would literally just like be wearing a suit and tie. He's like five years old, just interviewing people. I'm like, yo, who the fuck is this kid? That's so sick. But yeah. like he has that representation of something that was so far fetched earlier on. But now it's like, all it takes is one person. Like, yeah. Totally do that. And so, I, yeah. And I think like looking at it from a streetwear fashion perspective, like we talked about in that one episode with, uh, Virgil becoming creative director yeah. of Louis Vuitton men's. I think that's good point. That's sort of in, in line with what we're talking about here is that, you know, like, for me, I never thought that I could be fucking creative director of Louis Vuitton <laughs> yeah, like right? men's like that. That seems so far fetched to me. Uh, but I think for a lot of people seeing others in that role, serving in that capacity, it's it's fucking eye opening. It's like, oh, Jeez. shit. Like if he can do it, I can fucking do it, too. Yeah. You know, even um, e- even like if we were to like just shrink it down to like our, our local neighborhood yeah. like there's so many brands that we could bring up right now based out of san francisco run by people that look like us where we're just like yo why aren't we doing this yeah. like it almost it, it 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 almost like puts the fire under your ass to be like yo like this dude is your age looks just like you has the same background goes through the same experiences being successful in something that you are constantly thinking about like go do that shit because yeah. he's obviously doing something right and like, even just to have that, like, I felt like at the time when I was in high school, still trying to figure shit out, there was um, a group of, of kids, I believe they were maybe two grades ab- above me, and they were so ahead of their time in terms of, like, streetwear and fucking, like, doing shit that it was, like, it was so fucking ins- ins- inspiring. They had this brand called um, IDK. Yeah. Dope name. And their logo was a question mark, but where the period ends, it's an X. And I was like, that's fire. Like, <laughs> that's so sick. Yeah. And they used to like, and this was like, what year was this? This was 2008, 2007. Like, yeah. obviously, like brands, like, it was like the heyday of streetwear, but nobody locally was making their own shit. They just were consumers. Nobody was like doing it themselves. So to see these high schoolers make shirts and graphics that were fire and they were asian and filipino i was just like yo like how how do how do i do that yeah and i think that was i think that i'm always going to remember that as being like one of the the biggest perpetrators for why i'm so creative is because early early on i would see whether it's the kids in my high school creating their own brands or my brother like literally watching Pharrell like he, Pharrell used to have this old NERD shirt where it was just like um a, a spray painted tie yeah. like a super old design so my brother would be in the garage creating stencils and would just be spray painting that on random white shirts and I'm like what the f- what is that you know yeah. like you you don't know like what that is like why don't you just go buy a shirt or like why are you ruining your shirt but to know like there's this there's this ulterior creative motive to it of like just expressing yourself and like being able to do that as whatever ethnicity you are like that's that's hella important yeah for sure 100 percent um i think for me growing up like those types of experiences really kind of solidified in my mind that yeah you can you can be interested in this like it's okay to like this or that you know what i'm saying because there are other people out there that are just like you and that sort of quote unquote make it okay. 
Yeah. You know? Um, and I think whether that's like you said, like your, like your brother, like spray painting shit or my brother, like trying to skate. And I'm going to say try because, <laughs> you know, like trying to skate or collecting sneakers or whatever, like shit like that. Yeah. Um, I think those are really pivotal experiences in sort of figuring out what your identity is, whether it's street related, streetwear related or not, yeah. you know? Do you think it makes it difficult nowadays because, you know, because there are so many people that look like us doing amazing things, whether it's, you know, if I'm a 15 year old kid and I see somebody like Benjamin Kicks making millions or a shit ton of money reselling shoes, does that put pressure on people to like, like, you know how they always say like Instagram, like is fake and like, yep. don't make it, don't personalize it as if like your life isn't up to par with other yep. people are doing. Do you think being exposed to like people that look like us doing amazing stuff, maybe at the same stage of our lives, you think that puts pressure on people? I think so. I think if we're looking at it in the reverse, I think, I mean, I mean, I find myself feeling like this too. I see somebody that's, you know, similar to me, identical to me and they're doing crazy shit. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, well like what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. You know, I think we always, we have that, whether that's with somebody that, you know, is the same ethnicity as you, is the same age, whatever. I think if you can identify with that person and they're doing something bigger, I guess, or something that quote unquote is better than what you're doing, then I don't know. I, I do feel that sense of insecurity. I but, do too. You know? I, I definitely feel like that. And, you know, but I mean, it wasn't until fairly recently that I started to realize like, no, you got to like counteract that, that thinking. And when you see someone that looks like yourself, even at the same stage of your life or younger, doing some shit that you wish you could be doing or having that extreme FOMO or extreme um, shit, we can just create a word out of it. It's just like, I don't know, but like when you have that feeling, you use it as inspiration yeah. rather than like something that pulls you down and like takes you to that place where you, it's almost like self-loathing, self yeah. you know what I mean? So, and I would, I would recommend this to anybody that sees somebody that looks like them starting a brand or, or, you know, making millions of dollars for flying on a private jet. Like obviously remember like some of that's shit there is struggle that goes into making that shit happen there is a sense of um of of fakeness to a lot of stuff that's on instagram as well so just keep that in mind but also reverse the 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 way that shit works and like use it as inspiration to go out and chase whatever it is that you want to do and i think that's a that's a big proponent of like how we should be using social media yeah or viewing brands or or people that look like us doing successful things you yeah. know yeah i think a lot of people forget that everybody starts somewhere oh yeah like we literally just had this conversation before we started the podcast but everybody starts somewhere you know um of course, there are those like privileged few that are just born with shit. But like yeah. for the majority of us, like we all have to start somewhere, whether it's like taking that first step to learning something or, you know, doing whatever you have to do to get to where you want. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the times I feel like there's still a lot of room for representation. So you doing something that you want to do, you may be the first person to do that. And that may inspire like people, people that, you know, relate to you to yeah. do the same shit. Yeah. So I think in regards to just, 
I don't know, looking at it through just a general creative perspective, it's important to do those things. And maybe there's no one out there that broke down those barriers for you, but maybe mm. you can be that person for somebody else. You That's know? a good point. Yeah. Cause the door, the, the door is wide open to everyone. You know what I mean? But when it comes to who comes out as great or influential, it, it, it's like a funnel. Yeah. It filters out the, 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 the weak, it filters out the the fake, it filters out those who are just doing this for the the clout, whatever. And if it's something that you really want to do, and yeah, like like you said, like we were talking about earlier, if it's something that you really want to do, you got to go through the fire in order to make that shit happen. Whether yep. it's somebody that looks like you or or not, it all comes down to your your own personal work ethic. You yep, know, like exactly. it, the people that represent you aren't, are there for a reason and they saw it as an opportunity to make themselves better and maybe they didn't see that representation. So now that's what they're there for. You know, like for example, like I don't know any streetwear podcasts at this moment that are people of a minority. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know personally how other people look on their own (laughs) personal podcast, but in terms of two, two Asian dudes talking about streetwear on a podcast. Yeah. We might be the first, and if not, then shout out to whoever else is doing it. Yeah, I know Jeff Staples, one of them. You yeah. know what I mean? But like, still, it's like it's cool to fill that, maybe not void, but it's cool to to take that space of like, yeah, like I'm I'm down to yeah to to wear that crown. And, and at the same time, I don't think it's a competition to be the first to like oh. break down that barrier. I think just in general, the more people who do it, the better. You yeah. know, like we may not be the first. Asian Americans to have a streetwear podcast, but at least we're part of that group that, again, quote unquote, makes it okay to be yeah. Asian Americans doing a podcast. And we could, you know? and we're essentially promoting that. Like yeah. you guys that are listening, like you could do this too. Yeah. You know, it's it's exactly. so easy to to buy a mic and talk about streetwear, and you guys can, and we can, we would love to be the representation that you guys need in order to get you going. You yeah. know what I mean? Like whether it's fucking podcast or your own clothing brand or a youtube channel whatever you guys want to do there's other people that are doing it that look just like you and it shouldn't deter you at all it should just motivate you exactly and i think you know in the way that benny gold sort of broke it down for for myself is you know it takes a while to find out who you are (laughs) i mean he within the past three years he realized that he was like he's now actually identifies as being korean and he's like I said, he's almost fucking forty. Yeah, like this shit doesn't come easy, and it and it is like a your whole life could be a self reflection phase <laughs> until you get to that point. And I guess like it's almost like a conversation that's larger than the world of streetwear. Yeah, it's more about yourself, but then it trickles down to you know what you fuck with. Yeah, you know, I what, mean like what you believe in. Yeah, every little facet of your interests, your hobbies, those all make up your identity. So. Yeah. I think, like you said, it's it's all about self-reflection. I think that's, it's something you're going to do until you die, basically, yeah, you know? definitely. Um, so I think we always talk about it's the importance of taking stock and kind of understanding or at least trying to understand who you are and, you know, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. And and before before we end, like, what, what what are some of the brands that you fuck with right now that are like, that not only do great stuff in terms of like, you know, apparel or whatever, but are represent like are people that represent like who you are. Uh, I mean, they don't necessarily represent who I am, 
but I think they do a good job of representing who they are, who yeah. they are as a brand. But uh, a brand that I always like to mention that always does not only cool shit like apparel wise, design wise, but also does a really good job of storytelling, authenticity, shit like that yeah. that we always talk about. Uh, Born and raised, hundred percent. Nice. Uh, they actually just did a campaign that featured families from Venice because yeah. they're they're based out of Venice. So they did this whole thing. Uh, you know, telling the narrative of different families who who are sort of born and raised in Venice, kind of brought up in Venice and have seen it change throughout the years. Yeah. There are some that have been there since like families that have been there since like the 1930s and they still live there and just telling their story and, you know, representing those people. Um, I think that's that's super cool. And I fuck with that. Like, yeah. Uh, no, that's really a, that's heavy. a that's a really good example of of uh like a, a community that, you know, when you come from that, that heart, that, that tough community, it's yeah. like, damn, like, I don't know if a kid from the ghetto could ever make a streetwear brand, but that's like a prime example of like, yo, like you could do this too. Yeah. Like an, uh, another one that I was thinking of fairly recently and maybe not to, not to like, to the extent of like born and raised, but just somebody that you see and you're just like, yo, like that's, that's really cool. Just as like an Asian person, when I see something that's very intricate like a brand like uh, like acronym oh yeah and you're just like Arrowson is just like that dude oh, that, yeah, like, he looks sure. just like me and yeah. you're like I can't believe you're thinking like so far outside of the box and being that innovative and like working with Nike and doing all this shit like I put him on a pretty high pedestal in terms of like you know people that look like us that are doing like amazing shit I may not wear his stuff or support it but i respect it 100 percent. yeah and i think that's a like both of these are really good examples of like people that are putting on for their culture their maybe sometimes their ethnic backgrounds yeah and like really representing that in like the types of shit that they make and i think at the end of the day that that's really cool yeah for sure <laughs> not a lot of brands have that substance yeah you know and and they typically don't make it too far. <laughs> but I thought it was important in this episode to really reflect on on ethnicity and identity because, you know, that is something that everybody goes through, something that everybody reflects on as they go through this journey of understanding where streetwear lives in their lives and what decisions they have to make when they are purchasing from certain brands. You know what I mean? Like, you can go to Google and type in Asian streetwear brand or Hispanic streetwear brand, and you'd be surprised about the types of shit that pop up. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of amazing shit. You just got to do the research. Something that we always tend to mention in every single episode. Um, but I think that's a great place to end in. I think we covered all bases. I don't want to go on and on about this because I think you guys kind of get it. Um, any last words before we cut out? No. Um, I think we kind of did a good job of summing that up and hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. We want to talk I, th about, I think so. so too. I, th I think we did a really good job. And, you know, it wasn't a much like a... Asian centric episodes. Yeah. So I, I hope people from all races and people from all ethnic backgrounds could fuck with this. So shout out to you guys if if you're if you're doing some creative shit for you know your ethnicity or you know your your culture or your neighborhood whatever. I think that's tight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on on that note, please subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a fucking a DM. Uh, email us. Uh, Yo, rate us on the podcast. Rate us, too, please. Like all of our photos, you can DM us personally if you ever have any questions. Shout out to, 
I believe his tag is open carry cannon for like DMing me about just like a really old episode. Yeah. And this really old point that we made. So shout out to you for paying attention. Um, damn, I don't even remember what we said, but it's really cool that you guys are keeping us in check for like <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah. yeah, interacting with us in any way, like we're always on top of it. We're always on our phones. So yeah, be sure to reach out to us at no chance radio. My personal is at Swan out here. Nate. Mine is at Nate since 95. Yes. Please reach out to us. We'll always respond. Email us at no chance the podcast at gmail.com. And on that note, this is episode 81 and we'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace.